see. But God forbid that I should glory, save the, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and unto the world. Two quick announcements. Do keep in mind Adam and Julie Orr and the boys. They are in Mathis, Texas, where Adam has started a gospel meeting uh, there today. That is where David and Brianne Vestal and their family work. Uh, we want especially for great things to happen in that gospel meeting as the word is preached. Let's be praying about that effort. One more matter. Haven't mentioned this to anybody. Haven't even mentioned it to Cherie. This day marks the beginning of our 24th year with the congregation here at Westside. Thank you very much for being so long-suffering. Uh, thank you for those of you that were not so long-suffering to at least let me outlast your lack of patience. Thank you for everything. We appreciate that, and we pray that God will continue to bless us in our labors together. When we moved here, Karen was in the second grade, uh, and now she's married and got a little one of her own that thinks she's in the second grade at age three. Every word of the Lord is true, so says the preacher. Every word of the Lord is true. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. He goes on to say that God is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. The passage goes on to say in Proverbs 30 and verse 6, Do not add to His word, lest He rebuke you, and you be found a liar. That concept is found throughout Scripture, not just there in the book of Proverbs. For example, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, learn not to go beyond the things that have been written. And very familiar to many of you will be Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, which speak of not adding to or taking from the Word of God. Our study of Galatians comes to an end tonight. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. And really what the problem is in Galatians is that there is a, an element that is very vocal in the early church that wants to add to Jesus and his gospel. One cannot add to Jesus and the gospel without diluting the beauty and power of Jesus and the gospel. What's happening here in Galatians is this. There are teachers who are stressing the necessity of circumcision, a surgical procedure for Gentile males. They are also stressing the importance of obeying uh, aspects of the Old Testament law. 
What Galatians 6, 11 through 18 do is summarize what Galatians is all about on the one hand, and it reinforces some principles that must never be forgotten, must never be neglected. I want to approach this passage in a couple of ways tonight. The first way is we are going to look at the marks of three different individuals. The marks of three different individuals in Galatians 6, 11 through 18. Then what we're going to do is look at seven great themes that we see in this section, Galatians 6, 11 through 18, and how they are just predominant themes in the book of Galatians. Y'all are with me? I've described where we're going and how we're going to get there, so let's take the journey together, if you will. In looking at this section, one of the first things I want to say is this. It is a section in all capital letters. Look at Galatians 6 and verse 11. You see with what large letters I am writing. When people use big letters today, all caps, we're doing it for emphasis. We're doing it to make a point. And undoubtedly, you know somebody that will be texting you using all caps. Or they'll send you an email with all caps. They are trying to make a point. Well, Paul, with his own hand, is wanting to stress some things. One of the things he's wanting to stress are marks of three different individuals. Look at verses 12 and 13. This is important. That's why he's writing it with his own hand and writing with such big letters. Many people have suspected, based on this passage and others, maybe Paul had a problem with his eyesight. We don't know with certainty, but surely that would fit this. Looking at verses 12 and 13, the marks of the legalist. The legalists were those who were creating a sense of bondage for these early Christians due to their legalism, their desire to add to Jesus and his gospel. Paul, in very clear terms, describes these people in verses 12 and 13. Listen to how he describes them. The legalists, those that are wanting to add circumcision and the law of Moses to Jesus and his gospel and coerce everyone to doing these things, to following the law. Notice, first of all, how he describes them. They are arrogant braggarts. Look at verses 12 and 13. They want to make a show of you in the flesh. They want to be able to brag about you as one of their converts. They are arrogant braggarts, according to the apostle. But that's not all he says about them. He says they are cowards and compromisers. They are cowards and compromisers because they do not want to be willing to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See that in verse 12? 
Now what I think is significant is this. That type of terminology might normally be used by some today in dealing with false teachers who add to God's word concerning liberalism. But this kind of phrasing is being used by the Apostle Paul dealing with individuals who are binding the law and circumcision on Gentile Christians. That's fascinating. And it needs to be considered. It is just as wrong to be too narrow in our treatment of Scripture as it is to be too expansive and broad. Number three. In describing these people, he says they want to make you, they want to coerce you, they want to compel you to be circumcised. They are throwing their weight around and their words around. Do you see that in Galatians 6, 12, and 13? Right there in the text it is. Wow. Keep looking at the passage. And here is a fourth matter. He says that these legalists are hypocrites. They want you to obey the law of Moses, yet they do not do so themselves. Therefore, consider those kinds of... That, that kind of wording from the Apostle Paul, as this book comes to a close, he's really revealing his heart, and he's saying, the marks that they show with their emphasis on circumcision and adding this to, to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, what they're showing is not God-honoring. Now, if you will... Look at verses 14 through 16. The marks of a second individual. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is mentioned at least 45 times by name in the book of Galatians. If you quickly do the math, that is almost eight Times per chapter he specifically referenced. That's a lot. And if you look at this section here, you'll see him mention the persecution for the cause of Christ in verse 12. You'll see him called the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 14 that Jeff read for us in the scripture reading. You'll see in verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Verse 18. The reason why these false teachers are so wrong is because of their deep emphasis on Jesus and his gospel and his cross and adding circumcision and the law. Maybe we ought to ask ourselves, what are we tempted sometimes to add? 
so the person of the cross is stressed. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ, by whom the world was crucified to me and I to the world. I think it's important to notice crucified things in the book of Galatians. Go to Galatians 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified self. I am crucified with Christ. Notice Galatians 5 and verse 24. We discussed it this morning. In Galatians 5, 24, we are to crucify the flesh with its sinful desires and passions. How much better off the church of the Lord would be if we really thought of the church, the people of God, as being made up of crucified people who have crucified the fleshly desires and passions. Now you look at Galatians 6.14. What has been crucified... The world to Paul and Paul to the world. To some degree we struggle even as Christians. I know I do after being a Christian for over 50 years putting to death the flesh with its desires and passions. And sometimes I still struggle with being dead to the world and the things of the world. I suspect we all will until we go to be with Christ. Amen. But it's part of being a child of God. It's part of responding to the grace of God in trust and humility and love and a desire to please our God. The power of the cross is in the one who died there. Who became a curse for us so that we might be right with God. Deuteronomy 21-23. The power. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2. And as he speaks about this, he talks about the purpose. The purpose of Jesus and the cross. For the forgiveness of our sin. Galatians 1, 3 and 4. To redeem us. But you look here at Galatians 6, 15 and 16. 
Jesus died so that we could walk according to the rule. Jesus died so that we might know mercy and peace. Jesus died so that we might be the Israel of God. And let me go right back to verse 15. Jesus died so that we could be a new creation. See all of those things. Now look at verses 17 and 18. Having dealt with the marks of the legalists, the false teachers that were hurting the church, troubling the church, hindering the church, he deals with the marks of Jesus and the cross. But in verses 17 and 18, we see Paul's marks. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. I bear branded in my body the marks of Jesus. What Paul is really saying is enough of this. The issue is really about whether we are going to focus on Jesus and what he has done and the grace that he has provided by his sacrifice or if we're going to continue to emphasize circumcision and the law. Enough of this. I bear branded in my body the marks of Jesus. What is he saying? Remember the words of Jesus? If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Luke 9, 23. Paul is writing that I show in my, my body that I do bear the marks of Jesus. Do these false teachers show in their body that that's what they're doing? They're trying to avoid the persecution associated with the cross. It's scandalous. It's offensive. And they're wanting to be pleasing to the Jews. And so they're saying, let's do this as Christians in order to accommodate them and to avoid persecution ourselves. Paul was a man who had many fine hours as an apostle, as a Christian man, as a preacher of the gospel. But this is one of his best. Paul is saying, I will gladly associate in the fellowship of his sufferings and be made conformable to his death. I will not seek to avoid the difficulty and persecution that is associated with the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Because it is according to the scriptures. You know, if anybody should have delighted in circumcision and the law, it was Paul because of his background. Remember Philippians 3, 1 through 11? Taught at the feet of Gamaliel, circumcised the eighth day concerning the law. I was zealous and blameless. But he's not going to jump on board with this teaching because it takes too much away from the Lord and the cross and the grace of God. 
the book ends with Paul referring to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That is a similar way to which Paul ends all of his letters. This book began with reference to God's grace in saving, Galatians 1, 3, and 4, and it concludes with a reference to the grace of God being with one spirit as Christians. Galatians 6, 18. To put it simply, Paul's ministry can be summarized in six words. From him grace, to him glory. From him grace, to him glory. Now let's look at it in yet another way. And we'll do this briefly since I've already mentioned these verses. Seven themes... Theme number one, Christ. Christ. Mentioned a number of times just in verses 11 through 18, but over 45 times throughout Galatians. Christ. The problem in Galatians is Christ is not being emphasized enough. And the cross is not being emphasized enough. I wonder if the same thing not, might not be true today. It's very easy to emphasize what people need to do to be saved and to not properly emphasize what God has done so man could be saved. Both must be biblically stressed. But we should not tell men what they need to do to be right with God before we tell men what God has done for men to be right with Him. Christ. Maybe the cross is assumed. Maybe the cross is neglected, but we live in a world today where we cannot assume or neglect what God has done in Christ because people don't know it. They do not know what is according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, the authority of the apostles. In preaching and teaching, there needs to be the authority of the apostles behind what is said. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. One of the problems of the churches of Galatia and the Galatians is this. They are listening to other voices other than the voices of the apostles. We are only on safe, firm ground, terra firma, when we stick with the teaching of the apostles. Third, third, you can see that in Galatians 6.11. See what large letters I'm writing with my own hand. I care about you. I'm an apostle of the Lord. And you're listening to these men and what they've got to say? You know me. 
And it was through the teaching of the gospel when I came to you that you came to Christ in the first place. Number three, this book emphasizes a faith that works through love. The false teachers were emphasizing a faith that emphasizes and stresses circumcision and obedience to the law. Paul says, choose wisely. And faith that works through love, Galatians 5 and verse 6, is what God desires. Number four, glorying in the cross. The church should believe, preach, and practice this and live it in a daily way until the Lord comes back. A Christ-centeredness, yes. Apostolic authority and teaching, the teaching of the apostles, yes. A faith that works through love, that's what we ought to stress if we really want to restore New Testament Christianity and glory and nothing, nothing except the cross. If it's good enough for Paul and the apostles, it ought to be good enough for the people of God in the 21st century. And anything else is a poor substitute. We can glory in our numbers. We can glory in our facilities. We can glory in our budgets. We can glory in our missions budget. But ultimately, we better glory in the cross of Christ. And not who we are and what we accomplish but what he does often through us and maybe just as often in spite of us. Number four, I believe this is number five, we need to restore a walk according to the standard, the rule, peace and mercy and the people of God as the Israel of God and as new creation. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have been done away, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, number 6. We need to emphasize bearing the marks of Jesus. And if I can be very practical, parents need to instruct their children to be willing to bear the marks of Jesus. But they need to see that we are willing to do that too. Grandparents need to encourage grandchildren to be willing to bear the marks of Jesus. Shepherds need to encourage sheep to be willing to bear the marks of Jesus. Preachers need to encourage younger preachers and everyone they are around and teach to be willing to bear the marks of Jesus. In this world where it is becoming increasingly intolerant of anyone who speaks of things Christian, we need to be willing to bear the marks of Jesus and not complain about the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable to his death. It may cost people promotions. It may cost people their jobs. But I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world has to offer, wouldn't you? 
Number seven, grace. When people are our guest, will they see that we are a congregation that truly believes in the grace of God and the difference that that makes? You have listened well, and I thank you for your time. Let us pray. God, as this service comes to a close, thank you for the book that we have studied over the last several weeks. Thank you for the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle Paul. Thank you for what this book reveals about your heart for your people and about the beauty and preciousness of the cross. God, help us to be crucified with Jesus. Help us to crucify the flesh with its sinful desires and passions. And God, help us to crucify the world to ourselves and ourselves to this world. Help us to do this so that we can ever be with you, Father, and with Jesus, and with the Spirit, and with the faithful of all the ages who have put their trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You respond to the grace of Jesus in faith, in repentance, in baptism, in being added to the church, purchased with the blood of Jesus, becoming a member of His body. You cannot be saved outside of the body of Christ. You cannot be saved outside of the church of Christ. Ephesians 5, 23. If you haven't come to Jesus in faith, repentance, and baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, do so now and don't wait. Let us stand and